For more than 35 years, CSG has simplified the complexity of business, delivering innovative customer engagement solutions. With CSG, companies can acquire, monetize, engage, and retain customers. Find out more at www.csgi.com. Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I am an editor here at Light Reading. I am Alan Bresnik. I'm an editor and an analyst at Light Reading. And I'm Jeff Baumgartner, senior editor at Light Reading. All right. Fantastic. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. We are assembled here today to talk a little bit of news, a little bit of uh, pay TV and um, I guess broadly telco and media news. So what's happened is AT&T, the uh, carrier that uh, just three years ago uh, struck a massive deal to purchase uh, Time Warner. I think that was a, what was that, a 85, $84, 85000000000 billion purchase? Yeah, um, with all the debt that they took over, yeah. Yeah, so they purchased Time Warner and you know Warner Media became a unit of AT&T just three years ago. Now they seemingly want a do-over. Um, so AT&T uh, this week has uh, announced that it's going to spin off its Warner Media Group. It's going to combine that with Discovery Inc. And uh, the two the two companies then are going to form a, you know a, a a new company, a joint uh, kind of a joint venture between Discovery and uh, AT and T. And uh, that new uh, media company is going to include things like HBO. Warner Brothers Studios, CNN. Um, then it'll also have Discovery. It'll have the Oprah Winfrey uh, Own Network, HGTV, Food Network, Animal Planet. Um, and then you get, uh, I think with the, uh, the formerly uh, Turner Broadcasting Group, you also get uh, TNT and TBS. You know, uh, th- those were in the kind of the CNN family back in the day. So you, you get a pretty... Um, a pretty big and diverse media operation. And AT&T once again finds itself outside of the media world a little, a little bit. It'll of course be a, a, a you know, a, a, I think a majority owner of this new company. So it'll still have some sort of ownership stake. Anyway, this all brings up questions because the media landscape is shifting yet again. Um, I guess the, the first question for, uh, you know, especially for light reading uh, uh, followers and readers, is going to be, um, you know, what this decision to spin out Warner Media means for AT and T, the telephone company, or the sorry, the communications company, uh, as it competes with other telecom and wireless uh, network providers. Uh, I think just as a, a very high level, uh, yeah, I think it gives AT and T definitely more. Uh, focus or the ability to to put more focus on kind of that connectivity and and uh, service provider side of their business. Um, uh, you know, it, it kind of feels a little bit like what Verizon just kind of pulled off. You know, and, and kind of distancing itself from a lot of the media and content business. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I mean, that, that's kind of the the baseline. Yeah, what is it going to do for them? Yeah, yeah I would guess it, it makes AT&T a stronger player because then, then they, they are don't have to focus on all these other businesses anymore and they can get back to their core business. 
and do what they, the one thing they seem to know how to do because they don't really seem to know what they're doing. In the business. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, um, it's an interesting path for them because they've taken so many fits and starts and false starts in the, the media uh, world. I mean, you know, from being a pay TV provider to acquiring the direct TV uh, company uh, to kind of spinning that off, letting its Uverse product kind of wither and die and deciding, you know, effectively that they really didn't want to get into pay TV after all. Um, then suddenly they become a content media player. And now three years later, they don't want to do that anymore either. Um, I guess if I'm an AT&T shareholder, this is good news because it means that now I can more closely track what the company is doing uh, in terms of its own investments. Like it, when it invests in its uh, business, I know that's going to be going into wireless networks and business networks and fiber and things like that. And that's a little bit easier, you know, for an investor to track than, you know, all of the media assets and stuff, uh, you know, the, the kind of the content world. Yeah. They're more of a pure company again. Yeah, definitely a lot less uh, complicated uh, of a company than it's been. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, seeing what they were going to do with, with DirecTV was a long time coming. And, you know, this, this feels like the other, you know, foot dropping on um, kind of the strategic <laughs> decision involving content, you know, just in general, you know, whether, whether it's paid TV or, or uh, subscription video on demand, you know, what, what they want to do with, with HBO Max, you know, I think that they, you know, I think there'll, there'll still be opportunities for them to, you know, kind of tie things together with like bundling and, and, and things like that. But uh, yeah, just from a uh, business focus, yeah, yeah, definitely take some of that off their plate, you know, let, let the content guys focus on what they do and, you know, let the infrastructure right. and, and service provider side uh, stay more focused. It's interesting too because the, the 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 telecom business at different times over the past few years has been, I guess, unfairly tarnished. Whenever the media business would have a flop, or and unfairly praised, probably when it had a hit, um, you know, just having it all as one combined company, I think, um, you know, people would say uh, would would kind of give give it too much credit sometimes and too little credit at other times. When I'm sure the people at AT and T were like, oh, "Yeah, we didn't have anything to do with that. We were just building our network." <laughs> um, and then on the other side, um, it also kind of confirms that there really was never this grand plan to um, use AT and T's uh, wireless network assets as this like amazing uh, broadcast network or this this amazing network to reach all these consumers. Um, that that fantasy has been floated many times over the years by various wireless providers and others, and I think one of the more recent examples was like when back when Samsung and and you know some of these other uh, companies were really into developing specialty versions or specialty sort of media streaming operations, you know, just for consumers of their devices. Um, that stuff never really came to fruition. They ended up shutting those down as well. So uh, the media business continues to be the media business and the telco business continues to be a utility and building networks and all of that stuff. And I think that's just how it's going to stay for a while. This whole idea of unifying it all together. Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't keep them from working together, but it certainly doesn't make sense for it to be all under one roof. 
Yeah, the the one exception seems to be Comcast and NBC Universal, uh, um, and some analysts like Moffitt, Craig Moffat and Moffat Nathanson keeps arguing that it makes sense for Comcast to divest NBC Universal, and they're not going to really get the value out of it. But but Comcast does seem to be making NBC Universal work well. So um, yeah. I wonder if this if this changes any of that for them, changes uh, their could... calculations at all. Go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. Yeah, I thought, you know, uh, to, to that point, I think uh, on the media side, uh, you know, what, what this deal kind of says is, you know, strategically, you know, scale is really, you know, the name of the game. You know, particularly as programmers and media giants start to converge on, you know, streaming and uh, direct-to-consumer uh, direct business, while traditional pay TV kind of heads into decline. And, uh, you know, to Alan's point, yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, Comcast hasn't got getting a lot of value for the NBCU uh, piece of that. Um, you know, and I think w- with the announcement that with uh, Warner Media and Discovery and AT&T, it was like, okay, well, what, what happens next? There was a lot of speculation that, oh, or at least suggestion anyway, that, you know, Comcast should combine NBC Universal and Warner Media in some sort of a deal and said, this happened. So where does that leave them? And, uh, you know, there's some rumors out there. It's like, oh, well, maybe NBCU and, and Viacom CBS will come together. Uh, you know, it kind of forces their hand on, on that side. Um, I'm not sure how that would be done from the broadcast TV side. Uh, but it, it just it just feels like, you know, this is, you know, just another uh, – uh, an example of kind of the consolidation wave that we're going to continue to see on the media side. I think on the Comcast side, though, the reason it's worked so well so far, or it, it hasn't hasn't completely fallen apart in terms of you know the value and stuff like that. Um, first of all, I just think Comcast management team from the CEO on down are just better than the AT and T management team. That's just my personal opinion. That's just what I've observed and you know how the companies are run. Um, but second of all. Um, I think Comcast was more uh, tightly integrated already as a pay TV provider with the NBCU properties. It was more a part of their brand and a part of their core offering than anything that AT&T had to do with Time Warner Media before those two companies got together. I mean, that was always kind of a forced marriage. They didn't really have anything to do with one another. And then the next thing you know, you got a bunch of like edge computing guys using Batman videos as an example in their, you know, telecom presentations. <laughs> it, it always seemed like a forced uh, thing from the get-go. Uh, and then you, you layer that, you know, kind of, you know, mediocre managers on top of that. But the, the thing that kind of drove it home for me was, it, was that, you know, like Comcast, and it, you know, has always been, had always been a partner with NBC in, to some degree, you know. Um, for, for, for a very long time. So I feel like those two companies working with each other, maybe that wasn't, uh, I I know the business models are completely different, but maybe that wasn't too far of a stretch, uh, as it was with like Verizon, AOL, Verizon, Yahoo, you know, different company, you know, telcos that had like nothing at all to do with their media properties. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, NBM. Comcast, of course, has always been in the pay TV pay TV business, so they've they've known the business and they've and they've had other media properties before they had NBCU. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on to our second question. So uh, what does a combination of Warner Media and Discovery then mean for the streaming market? I guess the other suggestion within this question is, are Disney and Netflix scared at this point that uh, this this uh, new streaming company or this new media company is getting together and it has everything from sports to reality television and a whole bunch of things in between? Uh, I was just going to say, not in the short term, I don't think there's, they would be worried because there's, there's going to be a lot of confusion in the market and there's a lot of restructuring that's going to have to happen uh, before uh, the Discovery team gets there, gets everything straightened out. So I think in the short term, it probably helps uh, Netflix and Disney. Um, in the long term, it depends, I guess, on how good David Zaslav and his team are. I mean, David Zaslav's going to be the new mega media titan in, in the world, so interesting to see what kind of team he puts together to manage all this. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, maybe too early to be worried, but, you know, I think definitely uh, maybe some concern, uh, particularly on the Netflix side, you know, because, um, you know, they rely, their streaming service does have a lot of originals, but, you know, they also rely on a lot of uh, catalog and licensed content and as you continue to see you know the programmers and studios uh, develop and launch their own uh, direct-to-consumer streaming services you know they're starting they continue to kind of claw back a lot of that content uh, for their own use I think that HBO Max had already kind of signaled hey this is you know if I'm Netflix I I should be worried about that Uh, Disney you know they they, uh, rely less on on, on uh, you know, licensing content from other studios and others, so maybe less of a concern. Uh, but yeah, those two, if I'm, if I'm Netflix, I'm probably a little more concerned about it than, than Disney is. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, I think from the content point of view, you make a great point is the fact that Netflix used to, um, you know, even though it's creating content at a really rapid pace now, um, it still does depend on quite a lot of uh, kind of traditional titles uh, in its archive. Um, the other, I guess, thing to point out here um, also is just the size difference. Um, you know, Netflix and Disney have considerably, you know, bigger customer bases than uh, Discovery and HBO Max at the moment, you know, so maybe as a combined entity and maybe with uh, some combined you know, market, uh, uh, you know, combi- you know, bundles and things like that. Maybe they can, maybe they can change that. I mean, we saw how, how, um, effective it seemed to be when Hulu, Disney and ESPN offered, you know, a bundle in, in the market and, uh, you know, took three services, bundled them in one price and made it a little bit easier for consumers to kind of navigate, uh, all the content that was across all of those platforms. Um, there seems to be an opportunity afoot here, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, I guess that brings me to my last question, which is what questions do we still not have answers to <laughs> since this deal was just announced and we don't have you know that many details? Well, I guess one question is we don't know who's actually going to be running the new operation. I mean, we know David Zaslav will be, but we don't know if Jason Klar, is that how you pronounce his name? Kilar from a uh-huh. Warner media, how much he'll and be Jason involved, Kyler. Yeah. how much he'll be involved in the, uh, in the new company. 
and whether and so who who will be the decision makers here? Will it be a total discovery team? Will it be a mix of Warner Media and Discovery people? And how how will they mesh together? Um, so I think that's one of the big questions. Yeah, and I think we, we kind of have some hints on some of that, right? Yeah, like you said, Zaslov's going to be running the show, you know, from what we can tell here. And then, you know, there's already some reports that, uh, you know, Jason Kyler's uh, already hired a legal team to negotiate his exit you know, <laughs> from the role. So, yeah, that, that's kind of an indicator that uh, yeah, he may not have uh, a seat at the table or, you know, the kind of seat that he would uh, want uh, going forward. And, um, but uh, I think, you know, Zaslov's kind of more of uh uh, more of a traditional guy, you know, executive from the uh, uh, pay TV and video universe. Uh, and I think some of the things that HBO Max did you know, during the pandemic, particularly with the uh, theatrical releases, rubbed some people the wrong way. And, you know, and, you know, I don't know what kind of role that might have played in this whole thing, but uh, uh, just another thing that kind of crossed my mind. Uh, but as far as like the other, what other questions do we have? It's like, okay, well, what, how does this change their direct-to-consumer product plan, right? Because you know, you've got HBO Max is kind of the lead over at uh, Warner Media. Discovery just launched Discovery Plus earlier this year. Uh, so those are kind of the two main umbrellas, right? So how do you, if you're going to start putting this all together, how does that change the way you're going to aggregate and package all the content you're going to have, you know, because you're going to have a lot more news, you, know, you have sports, entertainment, um, you know, how do you apply all that to this, the streaming world and the direct to consumer world? So you still get value, but you don't um, confuse everybody. Yeah. Speaking of confusion, I, I do, I do heart, um, you know, cringe when I think about the whole uh, rebranding of HBO that happened under AT&T when they had at one time they had HBO go HBO max <laughs> HBO regular HBO. And then there was, there was another HBO wasn't there. HBO now. Yeah. There was like, there was like the HBO now. HBO now. Yeah. There were, <laughs> there were all these variants of HBO, um, all these different products and modes mm -hmm. of accessing the same damn content or roughly the same thing. And consumers were just like throwing up their hands at that point. Right. And I, I, yeah, so there's, well, maybe they'll, that's scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm thinking maybe they'll, they'll really confuse everybody and they'll create uh, like kind of this uh, mathematical equation. It's uh, discovery <laughs> plus CNN divided by HBO max <laughs> times <Right>. Turner, <laughs> or something, you know, equals the new service. Right. I don't know. Uh, if, they, if they really want to throw everybody for a loop. Well, I was just on the question issue. I, I wonder how much more power the, the discovery team is going to have in the whole pay TV world now with the, with the addition of Warner Media. They'll really be able to throw their weight around. I was going to ask like what the relationship would be between this new combined company and the pay TV operators um, and the pay, you know, pay TV distributors, because yeah, you've got, you've got an awful lot more, uh, content it, you're buying from one place now. And like we've seen with Disney and, you know, Disney owns ABC, Disney owns ESPN, you know, all the Disney content, there's a, um, you know, when, when that 
if they have a problem or a period of renegotiation or something, and that temporarily disappears from people's, you know, uh, pay TV lineup, that's a big, big problem for the uh, operator. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what Sasov team does with all this, with all the extra leverage they have now. They'll have. Yeah, and then I guess another question that's out there is is even a very similar way is what is the go to what is the go to market approach for consumers we were kind of hinting around that earlier but you know like right now one of the better deals that AT&T offers as a as with Time Warner combined and I I suppose they can still do this uh is uh you know being a, a you know part owner of a joint venture is uh um you know they they were using HBO Max subscriptions as like uh, you know an add-on to new wireless subscriptions. Uh, if you bought a certain tier of broadband, they would throw it in, you know, as part of your broadband subscription and that sort of thing. So it was it was definitely an effective sweetener for the traditional kind of uh, you know internet access and wireless access products. It'd be interesting to see how uh, what kind of bundling opportunities present themselves. Uh, not just for companies like AT&T, but maybe, you know, other companies as well, because presumably they would want to be striking deals with T-Mobile and with uh, Verizon too. Right. And Verizon's definitely, you know, already shown that it's pretty open to that as well. Yeah. You know, combining deals with YouTube TV and and uh, uh, Disney Plus and, and so on. So uh, it could open up, yeah, you're still going to have, you know, a lot of these different agreements between the, the programmers and, and, and some of these uh, service providers. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think the carriage agreements are definitely going to get a little more complicated when these renewals come up because, you know, once you have like a renewal with uh, Warner Media coming up, now you got to start, you know, do you then latch on a new deal with all the discovery content and, and what does that mean? <laughs> from access to apps and over-the-top content and, you know, what are they offering there versus what uh, on their D2C stuff versus what you have on your pay TV platform. So, yeah, it'll be very complicated <laughs> moving forward. I'm glad I I'm not negotiating those deals. Yeah. That's the only thing we know for sure <laughs> is that it'll be very complicated. <laughs> right. So uh, the new company is expected to generate, I don't know exactly when the combination will be, completely cemented, but it's expected to generate somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, $52 billion in sales and $14 billion in pre-tax profit by 2023. That's what the company's announced. Um, so it's definitely going to be a big player and a, and, a, and a massive company in the streaming slash media landscape. Uh, Alan and Bresnik, Jeff Baumgartner, thanks for uh, uh, stopping by to talk all things media will definitely continue to track us. And uh, for those of you uh, watching and or listening at home, thanks for watching and or listening to the Light Reading Podcast. For more than 35 years, CSG has simplified the complexity of business, delivering innovative customer engagement solutions. With CSG, companies can acquire, monetize, engage, and retain customers. Find out more at www.csgi.com.